Welcome to the abstinence workshop this morning. Um, my name is Rhonda Reeves, and I'm from Bakersfield, um, and I'm a compulsive eater. <laughs> Thank you. And I am your moderator this morning for this meeting. Would you please stand with me and um, say the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Before we get started, we have these fun little things. Can everybody turn theirs off or, or put it on, on silent? Thank you. I remind you that this session is being uh, taped and all speakers get to sign a release form. So if you're going to speak later, you will um, need to sign the release form when you come up and speak. Um, to protect our anonymity, no photograph, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format, format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for about 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. And the topic for this session is abstinence, the precious gift. The following is a reading from pamphlets, a committed to abstinence. In Overeaters Anonymous OA, the statement on abstinence and recovery is, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. Spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is a result of living the Overeaters Anonymous 12-step program. Hasn't this been our greatest problem? True committing ourselves to refraining from compulsive eating on an ongoing basis. Full of determination, we are great in the short run, but when the everydayness begins to set in, we lose interest. A diet is something temporary. In Overeaters Anonymous, we believe in abstaining from compulsive eating every day, one day at a time. This morning, our first speaker is Tom from San Francisco. I'm Tom, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and so happy to be here. Um, inspired by the theme last night, I went out to the internet and found out how much an ounce of gold is worth. And it is 1600 bucks. And when I first came into the program, I was over 300 pounds. And if I was worth my weight in gold, it would be $7,680,000. My value has 
been less because I've lost 100 pounds in this program, and now I'm up to 5,120. So um, as a net sum of this program, I've uh, reduced in value about $2 million. So um, I am enormously grateful to be here. I came into this program in June of 2003. Last time I weighed in, it was 298. And I don't know about any of you, but the truth is, I got that hysterical fake laugh that me as a fat person got. Ha ha, I'm almost 300 pounds. Ha <laughs> You know, thinking it was so funny. But the truth was, it was just devastating. It was just horrible. And... After nine years in program, I, I started, last time I weighed, it was 298, and um, my monthly weight now is about 204, so I've sustained about 100-pound weight loss. I started out as a 44-inch waist, and now I'm a 34-inch, that's 10 inches off my body size. I've been around for nine years. When I came into this program, I really had some serious health considerations. I, um, I was pre-diabetic. My doctor was giving me all sorts of tests because I was on the route. Now, I ingested so much sugar that that's what happens. You know, the body just simply couldn't tolerate the amount of sugar I had, and that condition is gone. The second uh, thing is I had a history of pancreatitis, which means I ate so much fat in my diet, my pancreas couldn't digest it, and um, I ended up in the hospital two times with that because um, that's the way I ate. I also, one of the embarrassing things for people who are heavy is um, a, a rash that I would get anytime the skin would hit each other in my armpits, of course, in my crotch, in my butt crack, I mean, all that other kind of stuff. There were these big, old, skanky rashes. And um, it's really one of the indelicate things um, that happens, but I don't have that anymore. And I feel really, uh, I really feel very grateful. So um, I think if I had continued on that path, I would have been like the canary going into the gold mine and never coming out. I really just don't see how this could have happened. I've been in for nine years. A uh, couple of things. At full weight, I used to go to black tie events, and I've got a very wrinkled tuck shirt. And there's a fantasy about fat men looking distinguished when they're wearing tuxedos. This is how big it was, and I'm telling you, it really crunched me at the belly. Uh, my story is not a delicate one. I truly believe that if I can be abstinent, everyone can. I am a stubborn case. I've stuck around for nine years. Everyone says, keep coming back. If I can do it, I believe it's possible for anyone. I truly believe that. In program, I put on about 30 pounds, and I've got evidence of what that's like. Here's the bathing suit from 30 pounds ago. The other thing is, why don't they make nicer fashions for portly men? This is the ugliest thing, and it was the best choice at the time. And that's a lot of what becomes degrading about it. Uh, my story is I just kept coming back. Um, what I do for my program every day is... Um, I, well, I go to four meetings a week. I am truly an addict. I go to all these meetings, and I leave, and I forget I'm a compulsive overeater all the time. Um, I work with a sponsor on a daily basis. I had this thing. I call in my food every day. 
There's um, someone in the program who about a year ago was speaking and said their abstinence is defined by what they call in in the morning. And I thought, this person is really amazing. I could never do that. And that's what my experience is now. So my abstinence is defined by that. Three meals a day, nothing in between. And, um, and it's really hard. You know, I was coming up here and I had a business trip two days before. And then I ha- had this one. And I had a dentist appointment that morning. I had two hours to get ready. I've become one of those people who don't go to restaurants too much. I'm a, I don't want to use a bad word, Tupperware person. And I bring Tupperware in my meals everywhere I go. I had a complete panic attack because in my disease, I wasn't able to figure out how to do my meals for three days away. And usually I bring all this stuff, and I've got the coolers and the ice packs, and um, I couldn't do it. I didn't know what to do. And where I'm vulnerable is if I don't have that plan, I start going to Whole Foods, searching for abstinent meals. And whether I'm abstinent or not, just being in that vibe and being on the hunt is very dangerous for me. So I called my sponsor. I felt like a, I, I felt like a kid with a learning disability, and I think that's really the way it is. I am disabled when it comes to that kind of stuff. I couldn't think of it, and I was on the phone. I said, I, I'm embarrassed to call you. I don't know how to figure out my meals for the day. I think I'm in a restaurant for three days, which is a terrible idea for me. And, um, she, and she was so nice. She said, well, let's just figure out what you're going to do. And she really walked me through it. I had enough time. I was able to do it. And the pressure of the food hunt was just off. And that's really what I can't do, um, can't do for myself. Um, I've got a, a viewpoint about abstinence. And please take what you want and leave the rest. For me, it's the most important thing in my life today without exception. There is no doubt. I can't. I believe in the three legs of the recovery stool. You know what I mean? Where you've got the physical, you have the emotional, and then you have the spiritual. I cannot get to the emotional or the spiritual until the food's down. I I just really can't. I've got to start. I'm really primal. I've got to start with the food. It just starts there. And once that gets lined up, other things are taken to place. Um, Before program, when it came to emotions, I felt two things all the time. Disappointment and rage. Those, that was my vocabulary for feelings. Just I was always disappointed and always rageful. Um, and that's different now because when the food comes down, the vocabulary and the participation in life is just so much greater. Because I really have a, a greater experience of what, um, of what I am doing. Um, I, you know, there's something happening in program now, and I, I don't know if it's just my experience, but the discussion of food and abstinence is just taboo. When I first came into program, and uh, you know, I, I would come in, I was so awkward as a newcomer, and I'm pretty extroverted, but I would be so shy and so embarrassed, I just didn't know what to say to people. So someone who's been in program a long time said, now ask people about their food and their abstinence and what it's about. And so for years, I've been doing that. And um, lately, I've just getting a lot of trouble for that. It's an aggressive question. You shouldn't ask people about their food. But I think if we can't talk, I have never, and I am not a delicate little flower when it comes to what I've eaten in absence of this program. I mean, I remember when I first came in, I've had problems with nuts. There were four safe ways. There was that Friday night meeting that was a big deal in San Francisco. Four safe ways between you know, the meeting at home. And early in program, I never knew if I was going to make it home. And in those days, you know, I wasn't eating sugar, but the best I could do was a big old tin of nuts. 
nuts. And um, I never called anyone and said, you know, God, I ate the nuts. I wish I hadn't. No one ever called me a terrible person. People say, I'm sorry, you're... Um, I'm sorry, you're a compulsive overeater. That's what we do. Maybe you should get to a meeting. Maybe you should read something. There was never the shame I felt from other people that compared to my inner bully that was just so cruel and horrible when I did that stuff. So, so I'm an advocate for talking about it because you know the dance of what we do to uh, become abstinent is really very, very important, and it's interesting. What's not interesting is talking about everything on the planet except what you're eating. So um, anyhow, take what you want and leave the rest. I don't want to get on my soapbox. Um, I also possess the belief that we don't have to take the first compulsive bite. I work with a sponsor now who just is under the belief there's nothing on the planet that um, would cause me to take the first compulsive bite. And I want to take a minute because this is a pamphlet that's been around forever. It is so good. It's before you take the first compulsive bite, remember. And um, your commitment to abstinence from compulsive overeating is the most important thing in your life without exception. You may believe other things come first, but if you don't abstain from compulsive eating and practice moderation at your meals, you may destroy your chances of finding health happiness, and self-understanding, and peace of mind. If you are convinced that everything in life depends upon your practice of abstinence, you will almost certainly achieve these goals. If you are confronted with the urge to eat, consider the following points before you take the first compulsive bite. One, cultivate continued acceptance of the fact your choice between unhappy eating binges and doing without one small compulsive bite. Cultivate humble gratitude that you are fortunate enough to find out what was wrong with you before it was too late. I came into this program at age 43 years old. I feel so lucky that I've had you know, nine years of this way of life, and it wasn't too late. The time on our planet is so short, and I'm happy now. I'm not just thinking about food all the time. Um, except as natural for a period of time, and it may be a long one, you may recurringly experience the conscious nagging for craving for something between meals, the sudden overwhelming impulse to just take one bite, the craving not for food as such, but for the soothing glow, comfort, uh, just a bite or two once gave you. The insidious part for me about food as a drug is food actually has always taken the edge off for a nanosecond, and then the pain begins. So I think, you know, the problem with this, if, if I can stop taking the first compulsive bite, I don't have to worry about it. I didn't wake up this morning thinking, oh, heck, this is what I did with food yesterday, blah, 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 blah. Um, I have more days where I don't wake up that way, and that's really a gift from God. I'm telling you, because I spent 43 years waking up, okay, you big piece of you-know-what, um, try it again today, but you'll probably fail. You know, that, that whole thing is just so insidious. Um, remember, each time you face a situation without compulsively eating, it will make it easier for the next time. Develop and rehearse a daily plan of thinking and acting by which you will live uh, without taking the first compulsive bite. Don't, for a split second, allow yourself to think, isn't it a pity or a mean injustice that I can't take a snack like so-called normal eaters. I think the envy of normal eaters to me doesn't exist anymore. But I, you know, I'm such a snoop. I walk by a restaurant, and I did this morning. I was going to the bathroom, and um, you know, people were eating breakfast, and I'm just thinking, you know, what are they having? What's a, you know? And you know, I have my 
seven ounces of cottage cheese and my reasonable size apple. And But, you know, I, I can't fantasize about that stuff, even though I'm drawn to it. Um, don't permit your... Uh, I I just want to stop there. What I want to say is my cravings haven't stopped. I have confidence that I don't have to take the first compulsive bite, but I have cravings all the time. I see things. I I was at the gym the other day. The food channel was on. I'm going away. and I go, God, that looks good. Maybe I can have it. Maybe I can talk to my sponsor about it, et cetera, and so forth. And the truth is it was clearly something that wasn't on my plan of eating. I just followed a a meeting where we talk about and make our commitments. The the cravings happen, but they don't last as long. I don't know if anyone else has trouble with summer fruit, anything with a pit in it. I'm telling you, um, my my work's taking me to the Central Valley, and um, these just fruit stand after fruit stand after fruit stand. There are not enough peaches on the planet that would satisfy me, and I just have to drive through and realize it's someone else's food. But, um, but you know, it's a little, it's a little hellacious. Um, I, want to, I want to talk. Is that five? Um, I want to talk for a minute about a couple of the real benefits to an abstinent life. And it still feels you know, weird to me. One of my benefits is having a slim body. I have never had this before in my life. And it really is great. I, I travel for my job a lot, and I'm on airplanes. And when you're a 300-pounder, you're walking down with all your bags. And I was just too proud for the extender. I needed it, but I thought, uh-uh. So I would travel for six hours with a seatbelt piercing through my gut, pretending I'm normal, pretending that it really doesn't bother other people, that the, my saddlebags are right on their seats. Um, it's just so painful. I don't have that experience anymore, and that really feels like it's a miracle from God. I also um, I don't want to seem overly vain, but I love the fact now at this body I can go shopping for clothes, and I have my choices are so much greater. And um, you know, I mean, at full weight, I had a pair of black sweats I wore all the time because, number one, they felt slenderizing, and number two, they had elastic waist. They were comfortable. There isn't clothes that are comfortable. It's big old polyester things that are very unbecoming. So I like the fact that I can, um, I can actually buy clothes. My, you know, I'm a gay man, and my sponsor always says, if the gay man can't talk about sex, who can? So <laughs> that is my um, commitment. One of the benefits of a slim body, and I will tell you two things uh, personally. Number one, as a 300-pound man who's sexually active, it's kind of an oxymoron because you're not that active. You know, the truth is, at 300 pounds, I make a wrong turn. I can break someone's thigh or their leg or that kind of stuff. So in terms of my sexual experiences, I was always so afraid to move that I would hurt someone. And the second thing is I was always so afraid to move, I would hurt myself. You know, what if I move too much? And it really is restrictive. And I don't have that same experience today. The other thing I want to say sexually is at 300 pounds, um, you know, I would go to great lengths to make sure that light never, ever, ever came on. And um, I would go to great lengths to distract whoever I was with from looking at my 300-pound body. So essentially what happened is that maybe the people who I was with were very fortunate because I focused so much on their pleasure. 
so the lights wouldn't come on and no one would notice my 300-pound gut, that it was just wasn't an even exchange. And um, <laughs> it, it just wasn't. And so what I want to say about that is, you know, the gift of abstinence has given me an entirely different experience, not to mention the fact there's just more agility. It really is a whole different thing. <laughs> so um, sex in the morning. Uh, the... Uh, the other thing I have to say about the program is, you know, the traditions and the steps have really taught me to be a better community citizen. Prior to coming into these rooms, I would have a script of how I expected other people in the world to be, act, what I want them to say, and anything that deviated from the script caused um, torment. So my little story about this is my other half, I have been, we've got this garage that's just turned into something you'd see on the hoarding TV show. And I said, could you please do this? Yeah, I'll do it. Could you please do it? And this has been going on for months. At some point, I just shut up and did it myself because whatever the issue was and his inability to do that um, was just, he just couldn't do it. Now, prior to program, this could potentially put me in divorce court. You know what I mean? In terms of, you said you'd do this, and how come you never do anything? You know, at some point, you just shut up and do what you have to do. And program has taught me that. No one needs all the opinions I have about, um, about everything. So, but I owe all of that to abstinence. You know, I really owe that to the fact um, that I'm abstinent. The other thing is, um, I think... I had this experience yesterday. I was at my client's site, and security came in. And there were just hundreds of people. You know, there was some big dramedy happening. I, for a minute, thought they were after me. Oh, God, people have realized I'm really a shitty consultant, and they're coming to take me away. And I thought that for a second. But the truth is, um, the humility we learn in Step 7 has really taught me to see myself for exactly how I am today. I've got an accurate self-assessment. There are things I do well and things I need to get better at. And that's just where it lives. And prior to that, I would think I was just a fraud. I would think I was either the greatest person on the planet or the biggest loser on the planet. There was nothing in between. And when I forget that, I've got sponsors and fellows to really help me with that. I'm also, it's because of the food, I've learned to be completely honest. I call in every day and say, this is what I'm going to have. I call in every day and say, I either adhere to it or I did something different. These days, more often than not, I adhere to it. And that is the gift that's more precious than gold. I don't know how it happens. I mean, it really is like a Harry Potter novel or something. There's just some mystery thing that happens by sticking with it, by listening to people, and, um, and our dreams can come true. So um, and I'm, I'm, here to, I'm just here to say that I never, ever would have thought. Oh, in 1989, Loma Prieta quake, I was flying and was diverted to Sacramento. And I stayed at this very, very hotel. And if you had told me 22 years ago I would come back to this hotel with nine years abstinent, coming up and talking about that, I would have thought you were insane. But this is the magic of the program, and um, I am so grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And now we will have, um, and I hope I don't mess up your name, Maya from Fairfax. Good morning. I'm Maya, grateful compulsive overeater. Hi, Maya. Hi, 
everybody. Um, kind of nervous up here. Wow, there's a lot of people in here. But you know what? Here's the truth is you guys are my people. This is my tribe. So I'm, I'm here to say that um, I totally qualify for this program. I'm so grateful to be here with you guys and to be asked to speak about um, abstinence, which really same for me, I tell you. Um, it's the thing that I wrote at the top of my paper here when I took my notes is it is absolutely the baseline most important thing in my life. And it has to be because the way I look at it is I have a disease, and I finally got that. It took me so long to get that. I have a disease just like somebody has a heart disease or a liver disease or something like that. And how lucky am I that I've got a solution that's spiritual? I don't have to go get dialysis. I don't have to go to the doctor every week. I could if I kind of kept going the same way that I'd been going. But my answers and my solution is right in here with you guys. So really grateful. Um, I want to just start out by saying I've I feel like a real newbie up here. I've been in the program for just under three years this time around, but I also want to say that I did actually find OA when I was 18 in college. It was a huge, I was binging my brains out in my, I got a solo dorm room just for that purpose with my little mini fridge because I thought nobody is going to get in the way of my eating, and I needed to do that then. Um, and I, I, I kind of was a little tourist in OA for a while, and I thought, oh, this is fun. A new diet program, I can do this. I got the little gray sheet that they handed out, and I followed it to the T, and I was a superstar success and lost all this weight. I think I lost about 30 pounds then in about five months. And, um, but here's the thing. I never got a sponsor. I never talked to any of you guys. I'd just go to the meetings and show up and show off, you know, and then I'd go off and do my life as my separate person that I was. I really never got it that I would really need to, you know, realize that I have this condition and I will always have this condition. So I'm really, um, you know, I have a mom who was in OA, uh, who was in AA for about 30 years. So I really, you know, had a lot of resistance to 12-step for many, many years because I felt like she was brainwashed and she was walking around saying, easy does it, keep it simple, one day at a time. <laughs> and I was like, ah! You know, um, I needed that program, too. She'd slip the little pamphlets under my door, you know, on many hungover mornings. But it kind of kept me away. But now I feel like... You know, when I share at meetings, those little slogans save my butt all the time because my belief is that this is really a family disease and there's some, there's some core piece in my brain that makes me different. There's always got to be more for me. I want more food. I want more pleasure. I want more fun things. I want more friends. I want more people to love me. And I don't want to have to have any of the consequences or the feelings you know, the extreme feelings one way or another because they make me uncomfortable. I want to just be in my comfort numb zone. You know what I mean? So I, uh, when I came in this time, I was pretty spiritually bankrupt. And um, I had, I'm a, I was probably about 40 pounds heavier than I am now. And, and I've had, you know, 
you could say in a way that I was out there maybe for 30 years after that little stint in, in 08 when I was 18. Um, and I did a lot of really, you know, hardball, self-willed dieting. And I was always one of these people that was 20 pounds up, you know, 15 pounds down, 30 pounds up, you know, roller coaster ride. The thing is, I got to be 50, and I was so exhausted of wrestling with the beast. You know what I mean? Like, so exhausted of trying one more time. Oh, my God, here I am. I've got to pull that size pants out of my closet again, because I literally had six sizes of pants in my closet at all times. And it was so devastating to think, well, what am I going to do this time? You know, I've got to, do I do another exercise plan? Do I do another this or that, or a 90-day challenge, or whatever I do. And um, I was grateful that I knew somebody who very, very discreetly had mentioned that she had gotten help from OA. And I remember, um, you know, after processing my entire divorce with my friends Ben, Jerry, and Sarah Lee, <laughs> that um, I really, you know, I was isolating more and more, and I really, really needed some help to, to, to get connected again with myself. I was completely a blob on the couch. And I remember calling her one day and saying, God, if I could just not go across the street right now to the deli to, to get those, that, little, that little thing that I need two packages of to get me through, you know, the afternoon... Okay, it was peanut M&M's, I'll say it. <laughs> and she said, well, you know, it just so happens that I'm speaking at this meeting on Saturday. Would you come and support me? Perfect. I'm like, yeah, I'll do this for you. I'll come for you. Because I had had the little readers, but I did not want to be part of this group, you guys. I did not want to be part of your club. And I needed to be there. And I went to my first meeting in uh, on September 15th in... Uh, 2009, and I, I met you guys and knew that I needed to be here. You were, you were talking about feeling emotionally connected, feeling free of um, being a slave to food, not only just eating food, but staying away from it, dieting, thinking about it all the time, worrying about the weight. It was just like such a, it was my whole life. It consumed me. I had no life. So at that point, I just, I just recognized myself that I was emotionally, spiritually, and physically just fried from, you know, trying so hard all those years. So I just showed up willing, and I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Well, I read every pamphlet in my newcomers' um, pamphlets, the little packet they gave me. Um, I met with somebody afterwards, and I called her that afternoon and said, what do I do? What do I eat? I became teachable. It was kind of a miracle because I'm the person that knew it all. I'd done every diet. I'd done everything. But I knew that I needed to be guided, and I just let myself kind of show up and be there, and I became willing to do whatever. And then the beauty is that I got to start working the steps with a sponsor. And let me just say that, you know, the easier my abstinence is, the more I'm working this program. And we have so much to do here. Um, one of the things that was read in the beginning is our, our definition of abstinence is abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors. So that means my thinking about abstinence doesn't do me anything. I have to take an action to refrain. And that means that I've got nine tools I can look at and think, well, hmm, that food over there is calling me again. Or... I've got these weird feelings that I'm not really comfortable with. 
you know, and I'm hungry too. What do you, what do you know? <laughs> well, you know, instead of doing that, I get enough time to pause, go in, you know, connect with my higher power, which is number one, and also reach out because I'm an isolator by nature, you know. I just kind of want to go off and slink into my little corner and do my little thing and be in my own little world. But that's not how this program works. This is so much a we program. And the more that I can get out of that, you know, just go through that little uncomfort, pick up my phone, call somebody, even to just say, I'm making a program call, I'm having some feelings, or I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm just needing to make a phone call. Things change. And I notice that even when you guys don't pick up on the other line, my higher power always picks up. There's always that connection there because whenever I reach for some form of recovery, I get help. I get help. And the biggest, um, you know, losing the 40 pounds has been a miracle and wonderful, and I've been this size for about a year and a half now, which feels incredible that I don't have to, you know. I, I literally took about four of those sizes in my closet, and they're all over there across the hallway at the Gold Nugget <laughs> Boutique, so there's some really nice clothes over there. <laughs> but um, I really, you know, I just realized that this needed to become a, a way of life for me, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, I've made the best friends in this program, and I have gotten to really like and accept myself on the deepest level that I ever, I never thought that was possible. I always thought I was going to be one of those people on the outside of the fence looking in at that wonderful garden party that I couldn't be part of, you know. And this is my garden party now, so, you know, it, it feels like such a gift being able to um, just be part of this program and now start kind of giving back. Um, Let's see. I had so many things I wanted to say. Well, um, let me just say that, um, you know, the core of willingness to just do whatever it takes to know that I'm not in charge today is, is such a gift for me. Um, in other words, you know, waking up and I'm thinking, you know, there's a part of my brain that thinks, I've got this now. You know, I know what to eat, I know what not to eat, I'm good, right? But, you know, it's a day-at-a-time reprieve from this insanity with food. And I figure there's two parts of my brain. The compulsive overeater who's constantly just, who's very patient and is waiting for that opportunity to, you know, to just get a little, get a little relief in there for, for itself. And then there's the other part of me that is just so willing to recover and find out what that's really about, even though there's parts of it that are really scary. You know, um, doing the step work and doing the writing with my sponsor has brought up some really deep core stuff that I had to look at. And it's been scary, but that's the stuff that I've been trying to avoid all my life with food. So I'm realizing, you know, I'm constantly at this crossroads of what do I need to do today to deepen my recovery and stay on this path, you know, how, how can I stay on this course? What, what's the scary thing that I'm resisting? And I heard this phrase uh, a while back from somebody, um, reliance, not defiance. And if I can just remember that, because there's a part of me that is so defiant and just wants to do everything my way and have the answers and know what I need to eat today and not be accountable for, it, for anything or my actions, there's another part of me that really feels like the more I rely on my higher power, 
you guys, the program, my sponsor, the literature, all these things, my food plan that I know that I, that I have in place, the better off I'm going to be and the more deeply serene I'm going to be too. Um, the serenity and the, the connection with the higher power are, are two gifts that I, I never, ever thought you know, I didn't even have any kind of idea of what of what that could feel like. I just wanted to lose the weight. You know, I just wanted to look good in a in a decent size, and and fit in and be popular and and have no problems and be happy. You know, isn't that kind of what we all want? I, I you know, I definitely you hear that phrase. It came in for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. And I'll tell you what, right now today in this moment, if I you know if I had to be twenty pounds heavier or 40 pounds heavier or whatever, but I could still have this peace of mind and this connection with my higher power and this willingness to get to know you and let you really see who I am, I would take that in a minute because that's the real gift of the abstinence for me is not so much losing the weight, but being seen for the first time and really being known and knowing that, you know, even though my voice is shaky right now and I'm scared, I know I'm accepted here on a deep, deep level for who I am. I'm a, I'm a compulsive overeater, just like you guys. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, um, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm in a phase right now. I'm, I'm working on step 10 with my sponsor, and I'm just waking up every morning wanting to be used by my higher power to do the best I can to be useful, you know, and to get out of my own way. And when I can just show up and, and kind of like help somebody else who's maybe struggling or, or just feel like I can connect myself to another person a little bit and know, you know, where my, where my little rough edges are and come right up against them and still be willing to surrender and willing to let go and willing to take the next step and do the next right thing and not pick up and take that first compulsive bite, then I know I'm going to be okay. And, you know, I can tell from you guys that have been around here for quite a while, much longer than I have, that things get better. And that's what I want, you know. I'm still kind of a, I'm still that greedy addict person that wants more. So I see what you guys have out there, and it's like, well, I want that. I want, you know, like, look at that person's got all these great friends, and they're comfortable, and they're happy with their life, and they're doing all these things out in the world, and, you know, they have good family relations, and... I want that. You know, it's a journey. It's a process. So I'm, I'm absolutely just perfect where I am right now. I'm just in my little path here. I've got so much growth ahead of me. But I've really come so far with just feeling, um, feeling like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here. And I've got a little something to share now to tell you guys this program works. It really works. And um, I don't know if you got anything out of, out of what I said at all. Oh, I do? Oh, okay. I'm getting the tug, and I didn't know quite what that meant. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm a little discombobulated, but I just, I just feel like, um, yeah, abstinence really is the gold nugget. It's really, it's really the baseline for me, and. Here, here's the thing is I'm not a person, actually, that calls in my food every day to my sponsor. Um, I kind of worked it out in the beginning where I, I knew what I needed to eat. And, and here's what she did. She said, make that, that three-column list, your red, yellow, 
and green food list. I don't know, most of you guys maybe know what I'm talking about, but the, for those of you that are maybe new that don't, um, she said, list, be really honest with yourself and list all your red light foods. And those are my alcoholic foods. For me, picking up those foods is just like picking up a drink for an alcoholic. And there's foods that then go into the yellow column that are the, um, the, yellow light, the yellow light foods, which are the caution. Like, sometimes they're okay, but depending on what I'm feeling and where I'm at in my life, they don't work for me. So if, I, if I'm really wanting to stay on course, I'm going to stay away from those foods at certain times. And a lot of those foods I've had to say goodbye to and move to my red list. And then she said, make sure you have on that green list of foods your abstinent healthy foods that satisfy your body, make you feel good about yourself, they fill you up, and they don't, like, weigh you down and make you sleepy and lethargic like those red light foods. Stick with those foods and create your food plan from that. Um, We have a little pamphlet called Dignity of Choice, and I love that. I read that pamphlet, and I got some really good ideas from it. So I kind of use that to design my food plan, and then I stick with my... um, my defined abstinence, which is three meals a day, a snack if I need it, and nothing in between, and um, healthy, moderate quantities of really good, healthy foods. So it, it works for me today. And, and the way I look at it is um, I have a confession to make. I, when I called and made my hotel reservation, I said, um, I need an in-room refrigerator. And I really shouldn't be telling you guys this because now you're all going to get the in-room refrigerators for the next time, and there may not be one for me. But <laughs> I said it's for medicinal purposes, and I truly believe that because my abstinent food is my medicine. You know, just like somebody needs to bring their uh, little things with their syringes or their things or whatever they need, I need my abstinent food for, with me. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to make it. You know, I'm not going to be able to show up and be the person that I need to be, that God needs to be me to be today. So I'm, um, I'm kind of all over the place. But basically, I'm really, really grateful that I got to be here. This is my first convention. How many people in here is it the first time? Wow, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Um, This is a really great thing because we get to see how many of us there are out there. And I love love being out there in the world and running into you guys and just maybe not even saying anything, but just knowing that you know me like nobody knows me. My family doesn't even really understand this part of me, but you guys get me on this level. So I'm very, very grateful to be on this side of the fence now with you guys. And... um, You know, I've drawn a line in the sand with my abstinence, and I'm definitely wanting to stay on this line, on this side, and uh, I don't need to go out there anymore. Today, I'm going to just be with you guys in here and kind of be the recovery sponge that really helps me stay on track and feel really good about myself. So thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, uh, Maya. That was just wonderful. Um, and now we have Abigail from Santa Rosa. Will you welcome her? Thank you. Hi, I'm Abigail, compulsive overeater. Um, I'm going to ask a couple people to pass out little slips of paper. So towards the end, I was going to have you guys try and write something down. No, go ahead. Start past. Just if you could just like go up the rows on that side and keep the piece of paper. And if you could give some to our panel up here because we don't want to, you know, neglect them. Um, 
Let me have my little cell phone out so I can time myself. Um, I'm, um, I have been in program for 24 years, and I'm 48 years old. So I'm just at the halfway mark where I've had half my life in the disease and half my life in the recovery. And it's a really kind of an interesting balance to see. Uh, just to qualify, I came to program 24 years ago. Um, I believe I was born a compulsive overeater. I'm passing around my pictures. There's a picture of me just pretty much out of my mind with excitement about food at a very young age, including one where I'm in love with an ice cream cone while my mother and sister are having this lovely, physically affectionate moment <laughs> next to me. <laughs> um, it, it only equaled by one person I know who has a picture of herself climbing up onto the Thanksgiving table, attacking the turkey at, like, age three. Anyway, I don't have that one, but that's a better picture. Okay, so um, I was born a compulsive eater. I began to put on weight. My parents uh, didn't want me to, so they tried to control my food. And, of course, you cannot get between a compulsive overeater and her food. So, oh, am I not? Can, is that better? Okay, thank you. Um, so um, people from Santa Rosa have heard this story. Um, there was a lock on the freezer door, of course, to prevent me from eating the food in there. And, of course, I learned to pick it. And so I would, <laughs> right, wouldn't you? And so, uh, so I, I'd pick the lock, and then I'd uh, take one cookie and rearrange the cookies. And then I'd come back, and I'd, very shortly, and I'd have two more, and I'd rearrange the cookies. And then I'd keep on doing this because I couldn't stop. And then eventually I couldn't rearrange the cookies anymore, so I'd just eat all of them. And um, I would clean off clean the dinner table, and I would take the dishes and I'd eat the food from the t dishes, I'd eat food out of the garbage can, I uh, got into people's rooms when I was in college to steal their food, I, when I first job out of college, of course, it was going to be all okay because I wasn't living with my mother and she was the source of all my problems. And, um, but lo and behold, they were still there. <laughs> and so I'd go to work, and then I'd leave work to go get food, and I'd leave work again to go get food, and I'd steal the food from the grocery store because I couldn't see how much I was eating because then, God forbid, they'd notice I was fat. But it would be embarrassing. So, and then I'd come home, and I'd eat a whole pint of ice cream and my dinner, and then I'd go to bed and do the whole thing the next day. I just want to make sure you know that I am a compulsive overeater. <laughs> and the big book talks a lot about identifying and um, I really believe that you need to know that I could not stop eating. In college once, I ate an entire Costco-sized bag of candy to focus on writing a paper. And I finished the bag of candy before I was done, and I needed to go buy more. I'm five feet tall. I'm surprised I didn't end up in a sugar coma. So when I arrived at this program, I, was, I had stopped weighing at 165. I'm uh, five feet tall. So that's kind of, it's a lot of weight for a five-foot-tall person. I had high cholesterol at age 24. And so... Um, my story is complicated in, that I, in some ways about my abstinence, that this is a good topic for me, because I, I met this woman who 12-stepped me at the large-size women's clothing department at Macy's. And um, <laughs> interestingly enough, kind of like Bill W. at the bar at the hotel. And um, so uh, anyway, so I went to OA meetings. It was 24 years ago in Palo Alto. I was going to um, lose weight and leave um, because my problem was my weight. And um, I got absent right away, and I got a sponsor, and I lost weight. I lost a lot of weight. And my absence at that point was no dessert sugars. And that was, that was it. That was all I refrained from. And uh, you can see it made a big difference. I think, and, but I, I, I moved shortly after that to go to graduate school, and I, I didn't go back eating dessert sugars, but I plunged into what I considered an emotional uh, relapse because I was without my medicine but I didn't have the steps and the recovery. 
and I plunged into a depression. And I went through everybody in the Davis OA fellowship. <laughs> Either they fired me or I fired them as a sponsor until I landed with this one woman who I didn't like. I still don't like. She didn't like me, I don't think. And she was an, sort of an Al-Anon, real serious Al-Anon type. And um, she kind of picked me up and marched me through the steps. And um, I don't keep in touch with her. She moved away. I moved away. But God bless her for helping me work the steps because that really broke that log jam. And um, what I want to say about abstinence is that um, I have gained weight in this program being abstinent um, from refraining from sugar. And um, around five or six years ago, I finally went to get help with meditation. And when I did that, I was able to come to a whole new level of honesty about my food and let go of other foods that were problems for me. So what I'd like to do, and I now have a 45-plus pound weight loss. I weigh around around 117 pounds. Um, I want to talk about abstinence. And I'm, this is so ironic, I'm going to use the big book, which I have loathed for the majority of my program. I have a current sponsor who loves the big book, and so I, too, have come to embrace the big book. Okay, so in the doctor's opinion, it says, um, he's talking about alcoholics, but I think you'll see a relationship here. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking or eating without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And so for me... I have to look at what's my equivalent for the alcoholic foods for me. And dessert sugar was obvious, right, for me. But later I saw I can't eat one chip. And crackers for me are a kind of chip. Or chips are a kind of cracker. I don't know. I can't eat a piece of French bread. I can't eat a single nut. I can't have one tablespoon of nut butters. These are my alcoholic foods. They may not be yours at all. On uh, page 22, it goes on to say, uh, we are equally positive once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens both in the body, bodily and mental sense which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. So what's the solution? Well, first I'd like you to take a moment before we look at the solution. If you have that little piece of paper and you have a pencil, not, we're not enough? Okay, then you can just do it mentally. I want you all to take a moment of silence. And in the deepest honesty you can muster, name one food or one behavior that triggers your craving. Just take a moment to do that, and um, I'm going to scratch something. I'm going to scratch something down myself. Share with your neighbor. Share with your neighbor. Does everybody have that? It shouldn't have been too hard to think of. <laughs> because I think about them often. Okay, so then on page 23 they say, these observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink. Or I never ate. I'm going to say it. My most recent admission is almonds. I was like, all nuts but almonds. I can eat raw almonds. Then I'd measure them out and then I'd add a few more into my mouth. That's kind of a sign of a problem. So um, for me, 
Uh, so, so the answer is just don't eat those. And you're like, well, if I couldn't not eat them, I wouldn't be here. And then they say, therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic and the compulsive overeater centers in his mind rather than his body. So they say, well, just don't drink. And we say, just don't eat. And I loved the skit last night, the play, Just Don't Eat. It's so true. Willpower has a place in this program. Just don't eat the alcoholic foods or do the behaviors. But that is not enough. The answer is that we have to do something to remove that mental obsession. And in the chapter, there is a solution, under a paragraph titled, There is a Solution, it says, <laughs> almost none of us liked the self-searching, step four, the leveling of our pride, step five, the confession of shortcomings, step five, more or less, which the process requires for its successful consummation, through eight and nine. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had to come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of the life as we had been living. When we picked up this simple kit of spiritual tools that had been laid at our feet, simple, but of course, not easy. So, the answer is, the solution to the obsession of the mind is the steps. But the solution to the phenomenon of craving is abstinence. So I would like you to take a moment and turn to your neighbor and tell them what you had just committed, what you just admitted was a problem for you. Could you just take a moment and do that? Rhonda, I wrote down all this. I wasn't sure which one to write down. Okay. Either or chocolate. Okay. Both of those are... Okay. Well, let's just talk about chocolate right now. The All right, guys, so how'd that go? Was it, it wasn't embarrassing or anything, was it? Okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> All right. You, it's, I love, we're, we're a chatty group. Okay, so one of the questions that came up is, is it just, like for me, I had said raw almonds. I could eat raw almonds, but I couldn't eat roasted almonds. But one of the things that I've come to see is err on the side of safety, especially initially. So I have fi- it took me six months to admit that, where I'd had the raw almonds, but not the roasted almonds. Raw slivered almonds, and not a whole almond. And finally, I was like, okay, let, let, no, no almonds. Okay, so <clears throat> it's between you, your higher power, and your sponsor, your level of honesty. But I would just like to ask you, how many of you are willing to abstain from that food or behavior for today? And I want you to turn to your neighbor and give them that commitment. And here's what I also would like you to do. I want you to commit to checking in with them sometime today. Find each other sometime today and ask them, how's it going? So why don't you go ahead and do that? So far, so good. Yeah, okay. No chocolate. I didn't have a microwave. I couldn't make my microwave. Okay. So 
Okay, so I'm, I'm done. You guys have a lot to say. So I'm going to sit down, and I just, I'm hoping that every one of you can have the gift of abstinence for one day at a time. Thank you. Ouch, 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 ouch. Okay. <laughs> My chocolate's going to have to go for today, but that's okay. <laughs> Just for today. Just for today. Just for today. Okay. I did it on a microphone. I, that means I have to be honest. Okay. So I will text my mouse, my my sponsor in just a minute with about my misto. Anyway. Okay. So for the next, uh, the meeting is now open for the next three uh, minutes per pitch. Make sure that that you only do three minutes, and there is a release form to make sure that you sign because this is being recorded. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we ask that you limit your share to three minutes. Um, and I'll, I'll start. Um, I started at 414 pounds. I stand before you seven and a half months later. My eighth month birthday comes up on, on the third of this next month. And I tell you, God has done for me what I've never, ever been able to do for myself. Um, I would try something and it would, it would end and I would gain back whatever I'd lost plus another 20. Um, I had friends who joined OA, actually another, another 12 step and came to me and said, did you know you're a compulsive eater? (laughs) Yeah. My husband had been in the hospital for 45 days at that point. And I said, yeah, no shit. Um, and I just started stuffing my face even more. And I stuffed my face for another eight months until God decided it was time. And what was funny is my mom, my sister, had all heard about this program, this program, all these people losing weight. you got to hear about this. It's not just losing weight. It's other stuff. But it's awesome. Okay. So I'm the one that joins. My mom, my sister, and my dad, and I'm realizing my brother, too, are all still suffering. So right now, I'm that stone in the pond that has said, just for today, I'm done with this stuff. I'm done with this psychosis that's causing me and has caused me so much pain and agony. And last night as we were driving here, um, I had a moment of realization, realizing that last year at this time my husband had come home and he was very weak and, and in a tenuous state, but you know what? He was alive. And the reason why he's alive isn't by any fault of mine or the only person who was available that was God. And the thing is, is that he had gastric bypass. He had a hole in his stomach, actually in his intestine, due to gastric bypass. And I will tell you, that is not the way to go. His life has changed. He is disabled now. 
He lost 165 pounds in 65 days because of septic fluid that leaked into his abdomen. That alone put me here because I knew I needed something besides that surgery. So let me tell you, I give you guys a lot of credit if you've had that surgery and you're in these rooms because that's where I want my husband to be and I pray for that. And I thank you for being here because without you, there would not be me. And I'm learning who me is, so thank you. For those that would like to share, you can come up from the side. I'm your handrail. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Lynn. I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, it's really good to be here, and thank you to all of our speakers. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to start the morning. Um, you know, I'll share about abstinence for me. I came into this program a little over nine years ago, and um, and I got uh, abstinent early on, and I lost all my weight, and and it's it's been an amazing journey. You know, but the last couple years have been challenging for me because I lost my willingness. You know, this program works when I work it and when I don't make abstinence the most important thing in my life, I lose my physical abstinence, you know. And um, so I've been carrying a lot, too much extra weight for the last couple years. <clears throat> and I have friends, you know, oh, you know, your dad's been diagnosed with cancer, you had to change jobs. And I knew, like, I had enough, I had enough experience in Overeaters Anonymous to know that's not why I'm gaining weight. I'm not gaining weight because my dad has cancer. I'm gaining weight because I'm not making the effort to weigh and measure my meals. I'm not making the effort when I go out of town to try to work out a strategy with my sponsor, you know, more travel out of town on business and, and really making an effort to do that. And so um, for me, you know, going to meetings, doing service, and, and being at my meetings and knowing, you know, I'm heavier than I should be. I'm not at a healthy body weight. And, and I actually am really glad now that it includes working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight because I'm like, I'm not working very hard <laughs> for, you know, this this what I need. And so um, I'm just so delighted that, you know, I got back from a month of business trips. And, you know, the willingness has come, you know, to really stick to my plan of eating. And for the last four weeks, every week, I have lost weight. And that has been a very long, you know, it's been a couple years since every week when I get on my scale, one, you know, three, best, best score out of three, you know, I get on the scale. I've let myself get on three times, you know, and it's usually the same number all three times, I have to tell you that, you know, I know, no, I always both feed on the, on the little thing. But um, four weeks in a row, I've lost weight, and it just reaffirms again what I knew all along when I got here, is that when I, when I adhere to a plan of eating, when I work with my sponsor and I'm honest with my sponsor with what I'm eating, I'm working toward a healthy body weight, and I get, and I'm more clear about what's really going on in my life, and uh, I just am able to handle things better. So thank you all very much. How about that? Thanks. Hi, I'm Camille, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And stupidly, uh, about 13 years ago, I had gastric bypass surgery. And I 
not proud of it, but I'm still down 100 pounds from where I was. I weighed uh, 350 pounds, and I, I was on oxygen 24 hours a day. I had a machine that kept my lungs open at night because I couldn't breathe, and I had heart failure. I had a scooter because I couldn't walk. Anyways, it gave me my life back, but then because it's a tool, it's not a solution, it's a tool, I managed to um, gain back. Well, I had lost um, almost 150 pounds, and I've gained back 50. So um, grazing is uh, eating all day because your pouch is too little to just eat a big meal. And now I, I'm committing, and I'm committing in front of all you people. I don't know you, but you are my tribe, and I feel very comfortable here, and I'm going to go home and uh, throw out a lot of stuff. <laughs> I had a, a housemate that I have been taking care of for 16 years. I just moved her last week into assisted living, and I have my place to myself, and I can be who I am instead of who she needs. And I am so blessed, and I am so thankful that I found this program. And now it's time to get to work, and I am committing. I'm going to work. I'm going to become abstinent, and it's going to start. It started this morning. I'm, I'm abstinent now, and I'm going to stay that way. Thank you. I'm Greg, a compulsive reader, <laughs> visiting from Phoenix, Arizona. It's great to be here in Sacramento. Thank you, panelists, for such great insight. Uh, you had mentioned about the definition of abstinence and about food behaviors. And what I find is that I get very, very hungry when I'm not working my steps in a particular day. It's interesting. It's not when I go hiking or I do this exercise or I do that exercise when I get hungry. I get hungry when I have fears come up, when I have selfish behavior that I'm engaged in, when I'm angry at somebody. It's kind of strange. I don't know if anybody else ever gets that feeling of this hunger, thinking that, well, surely I must have forgot to have breakfast today. But no, it's because I'm pissed off at my wife. Okay, that's why I'm hungry. So I have a mentor in this program who always asks me, said, Greg, what are you not willing to do today for your recovery? As opposed to, I used to think, well, what am I willing to do today? I'm always willing to do everything, okay, for my recovery. But that's kind of like, too easy a question almost because I always I know what I'm supposed to answer I'm supposed to do everything I'm willing to do anything so I asked myself what am I not willing to do to recover today am I not willing to work a 10 step when I get impatient because the food isn't being delivered on time am I not willing to do that okay am I not willing to do my morning prayers and write down my food plan for the day hmm Maybe today I'm not willing to do that. Am I not willing to do my, on retiring at night, my 11th step before I go to sleep? Am I not willing to answer the phone when the sponsee calls because I'm kind of busy? You know, the Olympics are on TV, and I look at myself, oh, shit, it's that person again. I just spoke to them, like, yesterday. <laughs> so don't they know in an OA convention recovering? Why the, are they bothering me here? <laughs> Tell me that doesn't happen to some of you. You get a call from someone in program, and you're in program, and you think they're a pain in the ass, right, to call you. 
So what am I not willing to do today, Saturday? And I'll make a commitment today in front of all of you that there's nothing at the moment I could think I'm not willing to do. But that doesn't mean it will change because I'm a human being. Things will come up at 2 o'clock, at 4 o'clock, and at 8 o'clock, and at 10 o'clock. So I have to be willing, and I am willing, to work my 10th, 11th, and 12th step if I need to today, and I'm sure I will. And uh, again, thank you. Hi. Because this is being recorded and what I want to share, I'm not going to use my name. But um, I've been in program about 20 years, and in the last um, two years, I finally got willing to put down the food and be abstinent. And I'm up to um, almost another year of unbroken abstinence in a few days. Um, I just really didn't think I could do life without food. So um, it's amazing that you can. Um, And I've lost about 25 pounds, and I'm down to my pre-college weight. And as as many of you shared, it feels fabulous. Um, And sex is much better. Okay, so... um, But uh, I got a shock. I went into work on Thursday, and uh, our company is closing, and we might be closing by Monday, and there's probably no severance. And um, um, I'm just in shock, and I need to talk about it because one of my biggest fears has been that I would have to be home before I'd done enough recovery to deal with food 24 hours a day because work is a very good venue for me to be away from a refrigerator because it gives me other things to focus on and I, I challenge I struggle with depression and I struggle with my mind and um, so I'm between shock and terror um, and I just am so grateful that I'd already planned to come here and made a reservation and that you guys get me and that uh, um, you know we can do things together that we could never do alone. So I'm so grateful for the recovery, and it's my goal to one day at a time or maybe one 15-minute at a time walk through this. Um, And I just appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you. Hi, my name's Erin. I'm a compulsive reader. I'm really good at crying, so... Um, thank you for sharing. I got wrote down a lot of notes. Today is day two. And um, it would be really great to come up next year and say it's a year and day two, but just for today. And um, I really like that I'm not going to be able to think my way into abstinence, that I have to be abstinent and never mind. And maybe I'll get a thought or maybe I won't. Um, I keep wanting to be ready, and it's like when you said to write down the trigger foods or the alcoholic foods, it was like, well, I didn't want to write anything down. <laughs> well, I don't have any. <laughs> the TV, that's my alcoholic food. But um, anyway, so I'm, I'm just really grateful for the um, – I, I recognize that um, I'm afraid and that I have lots of tools to walk through things. I just don't use them. And I, I definitely noticed that I um, eat to stay, like, numb, neutral. And it would be, I really liked hearing that um, eating only makes me feel better for a nanosecond. And then the pain begins. That was really good information because it's really true. And um, I don't really want to put my life on pause. 
Um, but I keep doing it, you know, one moment at a time. Pause, pause, pause. And I loved this song last night about tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, and I, you know, it's I've I've been in the program for a long time, and um, it's really incredible. The last nine months or so, hearing myself actually consciously say, "Okay, I'm just going to eat this," and then. And it's like, well, you don't, I haven't even eaten it yet. You could not, and it was never a possibility. And I, it was just, you know, to know what I was doing and do it. Um, so I really appreciated, it. you know, it happened last night during the show. You know, it's like right now, and it's like, well, geez, I, I've been actually abstinent today. I guess I could, you know. And I was totally ready to have a bunch of stuff to eat last night, and I didn't. And so, anyway, so today's day two, and thank you so much. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, we have one more we can have. Okay. Thank you. I can't believe I'm doing this. My name is Mary. I'm a compulsive overeater, and... Um, Oh, I wanted to share that I've been in the program four years, and I've had a little over four and a half months of abstinence and sobriety. <laughs> and I just kept coming back. And uh, But what I wanted to share was um, one of my areas of trouble was night eating. I come home from work, and from 5 o'clock till 2 o'clock in the morning, I could not stop eating or drinking. It was just this. So... Um, I worked on that for a long time, and I've just been recently that it's been lifted. And, of course, a huge part of it is working the program and working the steps. But um, in the beginning of my journey, a woman came, uh, spoke, and she talked about night eating. And she said how amazing it was that she finally wasn't night eating. And I just thought, oh, my God. I, I just couldn't imagine a life without doing that because... Um, I happen to have a severely disabled child. And when I come home from work, my job starts again. And um, the huge part of my eating was that. I could not deal with what all that meant and, and the feelings that came up with that. And I couldn't, you know, I'm not, my daughter's with me. So anyway, this program has helped me manage that. And I'm actually being able to deal with her without completely numbing out. And, uh, and, and to be honest, if, she, if I, she wasn't in my life, I would still be eating at night. You know, she's just a really good excuse. And, and she actually, you know, as the, you know, the scales get, things get tougher, I was getting closer and closer to not being able to stop eating. You know, I could manage it for a while. But anyway, okay, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, thank you all for sharing. Um, that's all we have time for, um, and it's time to close the session. But before we close, I want to remind you, um, the, ho the hotel is offering a cash-only lunch, and the option is in the atrium from 1130 to 1230 for your convenience. Um, thank you, speakers. You guys did an awesome job. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this speaker time, um, you can stop at the tape table 
to order copies of this session um, or any other sessions that were here that you might have missed. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Um, and can we please join hands and close with the third step prayer. Um, and let's just do God, the serenity prayer. Thank you. We got it? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. You work it. You're worth it. Thank you.